Hello and welcome back, everyone. This is Ben Chiriboga, the Chief Growth Officer here at Nexo, coming to you with another This Legal Life podcast. Today, I am very, very excited to be talking about an old school topic that I think always has a lot of flavor, client listening, why we should, we should be listening to clients. And I'm really, really excited to be sitting down with my new friends, Paul, Allen. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Good, good to be here. You as well. So we'll go ahead and kick off. It's uh, I said an old school topic because we were talking offline and um, um, we've broached this topic. But even more generally, I feel like the our industry, our beloved legal industry, has been thinking about this uh, this topic for the better part of 15, 20 years. Um, we've seen the rise of client teams. We've seen the rise of feedback. Of course, we've seen the rise of technology that enables all of this. And yet, you know, in some sense, we're still starting anew. Um, and so I'm really excited to get your perspective on this and sort of the importance of listening. Um, but more generally, how listening can really turn into action in the form of better uh, client uh, experience, uh, which, you know, some would say maybe client experience is the last competitive um, uh, uh, vantage for, for, for law firms today. But before we get into all of that, uh, Paul, Alan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves, talk a little bit about uh, one, your, yourselves and then, uh, and then how you guys have sort of come together. I think it would be fantastic. Paul, you want to kick us off? Okay. Yeah, great. Thanks, Ben. So I'm Paul Roberts. I'm the CEO and co-founder of My Customer Lens, which is the always-on client listening platform for professional services firms. Uh, my background is actually in financial services originally. So I'm a marketer by trade and sort of grew up doing direct marketing. So using customer data and any other sources of data I could find in order to improve uh, direct mail, response rate, uh, customer engagement and all those sorts of things. Uh, and it was also at MBNA I learned about the the real value and the, the impact of customer centricity, still the most customer centric business I've worked in. Then I kind of went off through, uh, worked for branding agencies in London, moved to Australia, worked for financial services out there, um, then joined uh, PwC out in Australia. And that was where I started to see the boardroom conversations and boardroom level conversations and the extent to which they could or couldn't be informed by customer insights. So this was financial services firms, media firms, telcos, so big B2C businesses, but they still didn't really understand their customers. They had lots of customer data, but the senior decision makers didn't have too much insight about their customers, their experiences, their needs, what they want to do next. So Long story short, then went off into, uh, came back to the UK, went to work in the sports industry with Sport England for a while. But this this idea was always gnawing away in the back of my mind. How can we help businesses be more customer centric by uh, being able to really understand their customers? Uh, and originally, I tried to solve it with consulting. And then as technology evolved and everything else, all of a sudden, there was like, oh, wow, we could, there's a technology solution here that could really help firms massively increase the volume of their insight. Uh, so, so I built something involving spreadsheets and and lookup tables and these sorts of things. Then met my co-founder, Mike, who built it properly for right. us. Uh, and off we went and we started building in that. And that was then sort of a few years ago where I met Alan, because we're trying to enable client listening people uh, and enabling them to generate more insights and connect across the business. And that's where Alan yeah. came in. 
fantastic background, Paul. I love it and really sort of teed it up for 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 Alan. Um, you know, great great story by the way in terms of a classic startup story. You know, start with consulting, put together some sort of thing, and then and then <laughs> off to the races uh, after you get a little bit of traction. Um, Alan, you wanna you wanna pick up the pieces there and um, and sort of tie it up your background um, and, then, yeah, sure. and then tie it together with Paul. Yeah, all good. And, and actually, uh, Paul running through his experience as part, you know, that, that history and experience from outside the legal sector is is fantastic for me because from my perspective, uh, Carton & Co, it's, it's a business consultancy working, specialist business consultancy working with law firms. And we've been uh, advising law firms uh, on business development in its widest context, really, uh, since 2000, sorry, since 19. 92, so a long, long time ago. Yeah. And, 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 during, and I, I, my background was as a lawyer in practice, uh-huh. uh, then engaged in marketing uh, and recognizing that actually lawyers need technology and, and a lot more than they had there yeah, you know, available to them to really uh, promote the services effectively. Yeah. So we, we've actually been involved um, in client listening probably for the whole of that 15 years, you just said. You know this 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 exercise of capturing feedback from clients, um, and it enables us uh, to work with law firms to implement new initiatives. So we have a team of people that get involved in technology, in uh, marketing, and in um, develop, developing relationships, and actually then improving process. All those things come together to develop the proposition that a law firm would present. And my, my challenge has always been uh, helping lawyers to understand what clients value yeah. and uh, to, to then get to the heart of what really should be the priorities uh, for the law firms in developing their services. So, so I, I, I think about client listening, not just about business development, but about developing the business yeah. and, and, and finding the ammunition uh, and getting the engagement for people to to really um, begin to change the service proposition and believe uh, they can they can do things differently. Yeah. Um, and I think lawyers. I'm a lawyer by background. You're a lawyer by background. Okay. So um, I think lawyers sort of struggle to some extent to understand the whole thing about relationships. Oh. And we're very uh, we're very legally minded, and tend to close close things down to understand them rather than open up relationships and. From our perspective, client listening is about opening up the relationship, uh, think, thinking about the world that our client lives in. So when I, when I go to speak to chief execs and whatever of, of uh, businesses, uh, it's really trying to understand their world and communicate that back and develop the services to, to fit with that. So so that's what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and we tend to find that client listening leads every project. You know, so where I talk about technology, I talk about um, business development process. It, where it should start doesn't always, but where it should start is talking to the client to identify their priorities, and and that's sort of where we begin. Yeah. So right. that's that's sort of where where we are, and where we we're trying to improve and develop, uh, and and it, in in legal sector, you know, this thing about client listening is there, but it's not really um, 100%. Yes. You know, well, nowhere near 100%. Yeah. Um, so really, getting lawyers to listen to clients and really develop is is the challenge, but opening up great opportunities, you know, fabulous opportunities going forward. Yeah, wonderful. So that's, that's, where, that's where we are. Love it. I love it. There's so much, there's so much fertile soil to pick up on today, but thank you both for your, uh, for your backgrounds. I, um, you know, uh, Alan, just kudos to you. I love, uh, I love how you piece together the idea of client listening is really, um, 
not about business development. It can be, but it can also be about developing business. And of course, you know, client listening in other industries, even specifically the, um, um, well, the tech industry has sort of picked up on this. Many, many industries have sort of picked up on the idea that the feedback loop behind uh, serving your clients and then developing your own business um, is kind of this this iterative, always on fee- feedback loop. And so um, I want to sort of pick up uh, with that kind of background that you placed up, you know, I think that most people sitting in law firms today uh, theoretically understand the idea of client listening. Now, the mechanisms perhaps aren't understood. The um, the operationalization might not be understood. But at a high level, I would say we're at on January 12, 2024. Can you believe it? I don't know. We're living in the future, aren't we, gents? Um, <laughs> you know, on a theoretical, it's understood. On a practical operational level, I feel like that's maybe where we are still struggling to get off of off of the block. Alan, I want to go over to you. You know, you you've really been thinking about this this uh, this space, um, and, and Paul chime in for the better part of ten fifteen years. In twenty twenty four, where where do you think the idea of client listening is that a fair assessment? My assessment, or do you really still think we're 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 at the um, why should I listen to my clients? What what value am I going to get out of that uh, sort of thing? Or is it a little bit of both? It's certainly a bit of both. And I think yeah. it depends which firms you're talking to and which yeah. uh, which sectors we're operating in. But, but I think there's a, there's a long way to go. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because Paul um, and my customer lens have led some recent research uh, in legal and professional services. Yeah. We're just really you know, trying, to, trying to find out um, what, what people are doing, what people are really doing, and where the gaps lie. Yeah. Uh, I, I probably, I'd like Paul maybe just to talk a little bit about the, the outcome from that, because uh, as we say, the, the intention is to capture information from a variety of sources across the business to be able to bring it together, to be able to talk about it effectively. I, I think what we're finding is that things are piecemeal. And, and there, apart from anything else, there is certainly a focus, and maybe maybe rightly, on business development and the business development team capturing information to uh, to use, but actually pulling it from across the practice, sharing it. There's, there's siloed information uh, with it within different departments and different teams. Actually, being able to share it, use it effectively, is is the biggest challenge. So I think I think you're right. Conceptually, it's is understood. In practice, a long way from it. You know, actually putting it into practice. So it, and it's down to probably. Finding time apart from anything else, uh, and having the confidence to approach clients and having the right set of skills to have some of those conversations, because certainly the, the conversations we have uh, in uh, businesses and talking to the chief execs and whatever of, of businesses looking forwards is about their world, and uh, and trying trying to get away from legal transactions. There's a, there's a focus on legal transactions. You know what's yeah. happened. And we have a big thing about looking forward rather than looking backwards. Yeah. So we're looking forward to what we can do in the future. You know, how, how, how is the industry going to de- develop that yeah. we're talking to? And, and individual owners of businesses, they have their special things you know, about what they do. And we need to understand what it is that they see as being special about them and different about them for us to be able to change the things that we do to help, to help them effectively. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, Paul, I'd be interested, Paul, um, you know, some of those gaps uh, in in the in the real world that have come across in some of that research, you know, would be would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting one. So 
I kind of see it coming in from outside the industry. The the phrase that I used to hear a lot was, well, I know my clients. Yeah, right. So therefore, you're right. At the conceptual level, no one would say they don't listen to their clients. Yeah, you know, I listen to my clients. I know my clients. But the problem is that all of that happens sort of one to one. It happens in people's heads. And so when we started doing the research that Alan mentioned, and we said, well, where is this this feedback, this data, this voice of the client? Yeah. And the number one place people said was well, it's in people's heads and notebooks. Yeah. Now, you know, we can't get that out and we can't share it and we can't make sense of it. And the trouble is it then drives so much assumed decision making, but you can't even see people's assumptions. So it's that's what's driving this day to day. And then you get firms that do this sort of very formalized periodic research at the other end of the spectrum. Yes. And yeah, that data is more robust and they go, they ask more open questions and they do it all really well. But that doesn't drive day-to-day decision-making because for every PowerPoint research report you've got, you've got all these conversations happening every day with clients and over the and people hear what they want to hear and it reinforces their assumptions. So for me, the big challenge is to help firms rather than sort of get the I know my clients model, it needs to be we know our clients. And this for me, it's it's a big hurdle jump but it's that sense of well me knowing about my clients isn't enough because the firm needs to know about what my clients are saying what everybody else's clients saying so that we as a firm can make better decisions we can drive forward we can manage our talent we can develop new products and and all of these sorts of things and yeah ben you talked about earlier that when you think about it from a product perspective well product teams are constantly going build something get feedback build something get feedback you know just iterate 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 But within that sort of wider professional services, there isn't that mindset. The assumption is, well, I'm hearing it and I'll adapt and 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 it sort of gets lost that sense of, well, what's everybody else hearing and how do we put all that together? Because we can learn far more because clients like mine might be sharing information that my client hasn't thought to share, didn't want to share, hasn't even noticed yet. So so I think that for me is the interesting one. So other things that come out of that research were where the data is stored, obviously it's it's people's heads and notebooks, but then it's also individual files and it's a, it can't be brought together. And so you've then got these teams having to manually find data and then try and figure out how it all connects together and, and think about some sort of common framework to pull all the different sources. And you've got quant data here and text data over there and different questions. Rest of it. And trying to pull that together is really hard when you're juggling lots of other things in a business. And so it becomes really difficult to deliver insights with any kind of pace and frequency. And so what happens is they just report back in a conversation. And so the final key insight from the research was most of the feedback doesn't go very far out into the business. It's kept locally. It fixes a local issue because it's easy to share that. Oh, this client said that's broken, but they love this. Can you deal with that? Trying to wrap it up and share it becomes really hard so so that for me is the challenge is is you're right conceptually client listening is really well understood but it's understood at an individual level and an individual service and what the big opportunity now is is actually helping it as a firm to go well we listen to all of our clients and we've got that same finger on yeah yeah and um, paul I i think part of the conversation we had just a few days ago was around um you know leisure centers and uh, and actually get getting to a situation where listening and 
getting feedback and dealing with it is routine and it it gets not just across the business but outside the business so um mm. you, I, mean, I think you were talking about um your leisure centers and when you walk in the door you'll see a sign that says some percentage yeah. and and what that results in is people within the business always thinking about what more can we do yeah because mm. that the, the the results of uh, whatever feedback they're getting is made public so they always, always want to improve, and it creates a, a, a culture around around the thinking within the business that is more client focused, genuine, genuinely client focused. Um, so th- th- there's something about the level of maturity of uh, feedback and using feedback within the business and really sharing it and using it effectively. Yeah, I want to um, um, I, I want to ask a question to steer the conversation. Um, uh, in in the in the idea of the of the we need to it's it's what we're picking up on is the idea of collectivity somehow making the, the collective mm. more intelligent by virtue of the client voice if i could just piece together you know we, we've all it. sort of understood that on an individual level it's great to get feedback and most people most people understand uh, under under understand it's great to have an iterative conversation but where the rubber meets the road and if i could just simplify it and and generalize and miss a lot of detail you know how do we take from the individual to the collective how do we go from me to we uh, on on a way uh, just just to be pithy mm-hmm. in that way and i think that's where where all of this falls down but let let's let's try it a different way you know collaborating and bring people together is notoriously difficult. The larger, the larger the project, the more difficult it can necessarily be. Can you paint us a picture? Because sometimes stories and, and, and future, future images of what good looks like, especially at the collective level tends to be very, very powerful. So let's flip the script, assuming that everybody individual understands it, but they're struggling to get to the we of it all. You know, what does, what happens if people come together and if collective listening is actually enacted, what are the sort of outputs that a more hive mind or a more uh, or, or a more collectively intelligent um, uh, um, firm can do? What are the type of things that they can start to do that they can't do as individuals right now? Does that make question make sense? Yeah, it yeah it does. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I think. The, the enabler for that that is thinking about what feedback really is so often there is a fear of the word feedback if somebody says they're going to be given some feedback you usually sort of get that cold shiver and assume that it's you know going to be constructive or just negative but i think about feedback differently i think about feedback as just being any signal from clients your people the market prospect referrers that can help you make a better decision and when you start to think about it in that term, so it's not feedback on an individual, it's just signals, it's just pieces of data, then you can start to go, well, we can connect all this together in a very different way. So that output you talked about, Ben, you could, for example, the quarterly business reviews that large law firms have with their clients tends to be a you know, conversation with the GC or something like that. And that tends to be a standalone conversation. So that's where you collect feedback and then they're they're trying to look backwards over the project you're trying to look forwards into what's the strategic challenges the next opportunity and all the rest of it so instead this collective says right well during each matter we can be collecting feedback through uh instant feedback so as clients have got something to say we don't don't wait to ask for the feedback just here's a really simple form 
just share it, share it, share it. So we have firms where they they link it to their email signature and they just say, right, look, if you've got, a, you know, we've been working together now for a few weeks, if you've got any general feedback, don't forget there's a link down there. And the form is just two open questions. What do we do well? What could we do better? No ratings, no scales. Don't get, you know, just get out of their way. Ask a really open question. And equally, you can be collecting all of those informal conversations. So the conversations like this and emails and, and phone calls where clients just share little bits of experience, collect all that up. And then before the quarterly interview, you then send out a really short focus survey internally within the firm and externally across all the people on the client side and just say, how's it gone? How have we, how well have we delivered against some of our brand promises, our value drivers? Uh, and what do you think we could do well, do better? And all of a sudden, you've got all that insight bubbled up. And because it's being analyzed in real time, you can then share that with the client and say, hey, before we have the interview, we'll give you a summary of what your team has said and what our team has said. And therefore, when we have the interview, we can have a much more forward looking conversation because we're already on the same page about where the experience is. So let's talk about what we do differently and better and next and continue. But then, of course, that information can also then get analyzed and the actions that you create can be analyzed and then they feed back in. So you start to get this closed loop happening within different aspects of the firm. So the same thing can happen around account management or around how you do brand management. And where it for me gets really exciting is where you even do analysis of the actions that are being taken. So I was at an event recently, a managing partners were all lamenting that they they struggle within their firm to get people to introduce other parts right. of the business. And and one managing partner even said, we've got this longstanding client that loves us. And they went and did a really big piece of work with a competitor. Wow. And so I phoned them up and I said, why did you not even consider right. us? And they said, well, I didn't know yep, you did it. Exactly. And so they go, well, how do we get around that? Well, if you're analyzing all the actions coming out of these meetings and you go, wow, 80% of these are people saying, I need to send my client this thing afterwards. And only 3% of them are, I need to introduce so-and-so in another department. You immediately build an evidence base to start changing behavior. And that for me is where it gets interesting is that the feedback drives different yeah. behaviors, different ways of thinking, because it's no longer about criticizing the individual. It's about helping improve and inform the whole yeah. business. Now, of course, I'm making that sound incredibly simple and there's a much bigger culture shift sure. to that. But sure. that's that's what I see the output looking like when it's yeah. done. Well. And, Alan, and, and, same question, yeah. of course. Yes. Superpowers that get unlocked um, in this in this collective intelligence uh, powered well, by listening. I, I think that conversation, there was points from Paul, it sort of verifies and justifies what, why we got together in the first place because what we're doing is focusing very much on developing the ability to manage accounts, manage referral relationships. Um, and, and that tends to be um, a sort of one-to-one -one exercise with key individuals uh, looking forwards. But actually, we, we felt we were missing a lot oh, of the okay. of the wider coverage. So to be able to bring in more feedback and to combine you know, very direct information uh, and, and feedback from individuals with uh, a broader sense of, of what actually you know, the clients across a broader range uh, are saying, give, give, gives a, the real opportunity to, to provide a much more accurate you know, account management to change how people think about those relationships um, and, and to develop new skills. So for, for, for me, it's a big thing about developing skills and being able to identify where the gaps are. And a lot of, a lot of that does come out of one-to-one -one relationships. Now, we're, we're, we're asking uh, when we're working with, um, uh, you know, 
larger clients, uh, you know, what, is 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 the team the right team? So we're asking, you know, the, the, the individuals and the client that we're working with, have we got the right team people together with different skills we want that you want uh, to to access? Um, are there are there things that we're missing? What are the priorities in terms of technology? So there's quite an interesting discussion now around, um, you know, since the pandemic, what uh, people do with technology has changed dramatically. You've got AI coming in and a whole range of different ways, which is all very much up in the air. Nobody really knows with AI what's what actually uh, people want to do with it. But actually, lawyers, lawyers probably are not talking enough about that, but try, trying to pull the information back um, in whatever way is possible to develop new initiatives and prioritize those initiatives. Um, other, otherwise, there's, there's a big gap. And, and, I, and I think lawyers need to expose themselves to some extent and be willing to accept that we don't know everything. We really don't know everything. Certainly, certainly, when it comes to technology, we we, we don't know. Preposterous, Alan. Preposterous. <laughs> we, we, we don't we don't know what it is that the client really really wants to do next week, or so we need to talk about it. Yes. So those very specific things can be progressed at the same time as a wider understanding. And and again, um, a very good point is that uh, we really want to capture information as matters progress. Yes, right. It's maybe a slightly different point, but. Paul touched on it there. Um, the, the whole the whole exercise of capturing information and feedback from clients would be helped hugely if we do it at a time while it still matters to the client. So a lot of the feedback that's being asked for uh, on current initiatives is at the end of transactions. So that's too late. Um, it is really as matters progress where there's an opportunity to discuss and explore and change things during the time we're working for a client at any stage. That uh, that we can you know, probably in, increase their level of interest in in giving us the feedback in the first place, get the response, but then actually be able to change things that make a difference as we work our way through, and that is on a transactional basis. Yeah. So again, that's this combination of looking forward to do it better in the future, but what can we change today that will make a difference and, and really again add more value yeah. to to the uh, to, to the relationship and to the work we're doing for them. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I am um, Paul. I really, I really, um, I loved your, um, I, I loved your anecdote about um, the um, the managing partner um, uh, being surprised that uh, their client didn't even know they did another <laughs> piece of work. That's of course so so gut wrenching. You know that it, that it's hard. I've uh, yes. during my practice days, I unfortunately had a, a series of those. Not me personally, but um, but certainly I um I, I want to just put one last point on the table around collective intelligence um i i can't help myself and then we're going to go to to some specifics and 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 we're going to see operationalizing it because i think we've built up the why but um nexels nexels um Nexel's mascot is an ant, and ants are famous, of course, for being incredible collaborators, but ants are, of course, also incredible as being a, a sort of hive mind, a collective intelligence. And the mm. thing about ants is that they're always leaving trails, right? Everywhere they go, they're always picking up data and they're leaving data, not for not only for themselves, so if they go out and they come back in, um, you know, they'll know which way to, but they're always leaving data for others to pick up the little breadcrumbs and the pieces. And I just think that it's a, it's a really nice way of saying these small little creatures yeah. who have, you know, brains the size of whatever are able to produce these massive, massive 
uh, colonies just by virtue of the fact that they are always simultaneously somehow in communication. They also have a genetic thing that basically allows them to, to, to sort of communicate in, in a, at a biological level. So on their, on their genetic level, they can do it. But on the mimetic level, they're always sort of in communication with each other through this constant kind of dripping of information. And you, don't, you can react if you want, but you know, I love ants and obviously I just had to sort of drop that in there because it's a, it's a, it's a, great, uh, it's a great experience of what's possible uh, in this, uh, at this next yeah. level. Yeah, I I love the analogy and the fact that it's it's quite simple yes. and just happens every day uh-huh. is good because it challenges the assumptions of but we can't do it here because it's too hard and too complicated. Yeah, totally. you know, it's it really is down to ants have decided, as you say, they've got the hive mind that they're always working for the greater good. And I think if w- the firms that bring that same approach of going, well, actually, I'm I'm collecting this not just for me, I'm not just sharing this for me, I'm sharing this for the the collective good and i benefit from others doing the same i mean that's mind-blowing when when that sort of culture kicks in so yes definitely we need more, yeah, more <laughs> i um i want to steer the conversation now in being you know some nitty-gritty and specifics on on what we can do i just want to also say before we leave you know i have an ant issue that i'm trying to deal with right now so so so, so at the same time you know it's a it's a sore spot for me so their collective intelligence as as one of their competitors but you know we're all we're all part of one big fab fabric here in in the world but also but also if my wife uh if i don't get this handled you know my wife's gonna lose it um so so in some sense the ants are also just beating me at my own game but um, so let's steer the conversation a little bit into the direction of data sources and what we can really sort of start to do. I think we've kind of sold the why a little bit. Do you want to unpackage a little bit um, where where this kind of comes from? And then whoever wants, you know, some of the common gaps that I think are not sufficiently understood. You know, everybody knows surveys. Some people know MPS. Some people know formalized CSAT, et cetera. But there's more to it. I know that there is. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And and I think that it's it's a when when you start we sort of talk about beginning with the end in mind. If when you start from what insights do we need oh, to know right. to inform our decision makers and then work backwards, you find a very different data set than if you start with, well, we've got a survey tool, so where can we send out surveys? And so when you start working backwards, you start to pick up things like, well, complaints. Right. I mean, complaints are a good source of intelligence, but they get managed in a law firm through a very formal process, therefore a different process, and the data doesn't get combined. Or you have that market intel that the BD teams are gathering when they go out to events and when they're meeting clients that doesn't get fully analyzed. Now, you you think if anyone's using a CRM, well, it should be the BD team. So it's probably being captured, but it's not then being turned into that wider intelligence of, well, what are they telling us? What are we hearing? Where are the gaps? Uh, how can we now apply that to our our clients and our firms? Yeah, we've we've done things with uh, analyst briefing data. So for the big corporate clients, every quarter, all of these blue chip firms go out to analysts and say, right, here's our priorities. These are our challenges. This is what happened in the last quarter. This is what's gonna we're gonna work on in the next quarter. Here's how we see the market, and the analysts quiz them. Huge short source of intelligence. But it's not really used because, again, it's it's a different. It's not seen as feedback. It's not mm. it's not research. It's it's a something, uh, and you can just start to gather it in. So, so so that's where we're starting to see 
very different ideas. When you when you sort of change feedback to just being just yes, signals, right. it's not about an individual. Then you can find these data in all these different places. So I say, you know, events, complaints, the directories and testimony. You know, <laughs> maybe it's a different black hole, the whole legal firm directories. But what's really interesting there is what clients don't say. So yes, the the quotes in directory is always very glowing, very positive, <laughs> right. and all the rest sure. of it. So you, you're not going to get the sort of what's not working. But where you get the what's not working is by putting AI over it, which obviously is looking for everything yes. all the time. And you go, well, this is interesting. We've got four brand pillars, and even our most loyal, engaged fans don't talk about right. one of them. They will highlight the fact that we've got, you know, we're very responsive and approachable and we've got wonderful expertise, but nobody's mentioning that we're innovative or nobody's mentioning that we genuinely use our community and our network in order to connect them up and, and all the rest of it. So, again, it's almost so there. The lack of data is actually insightful. Yeah, yeah. Alan. <laughs> so so that's. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Sorry, Paul. I thought, I thought maybe you had finished. But no. no, 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 that's, that's, that's right. fine. Yeah, no, and I think all of that sort of paints a picture that. What lawyers ought to be doing is taking a step back and looking at the whole client listening um, opportunity um, afresh, you know, because uh, the, uh, where, where things are done piecemeal, you begin to see some of the benefits, but there are, there are real opportunities making use of tools like uh, My Customer Lens to be able to pull information together from so many different sources and, and, and use it in a, in a way that really most law firms don't recognize you know, that, it, that it's actually possible to do it in that way. So there's a, there's a real, real advantage for law firms now today to take a step back and actually review what they currently do, what the, what the real objectives are in capturing client feedback. Is it, is it looking back? Does it look forwards? Mm-hmm. Um, what sources can we use? Um, how, can, how can we share that more effectively? How, we can, how can we get our teams using that as real ammunition to change? Um, and, and to improve those relationships? So at this stage, I think it's a real opportunity for firms to do that. Um, and take that step back and explore new, op- completely new options. Yeah. So, and, and to some extent, that's that's what we've done because, as I say, we we were involved in client listing we yeah, 15 years. Yeah. Things constantly change, um, and there has been a sea change in what you can actually do to achieve really meaningful information capture and and, and using it. So, so we're keen to try and make use of that uh, as much as possible. That's yeah, that's that's our relationship to to put that together really. Wonderful. We're uh, we're coming to the end of our our time together, gentlemen. Of course, we've only scratched the surface of you know what what is kind of an onion. If you just keep on pulling it back, there's more and more to to get into there. I wanted to ask you just one last question and make this you know our audience here at This Legal Life they they we like to think of them as as the business of law professionals that are um, really bringing bringing what's next. I think everybody knows what we're probably leaving in the legal industry specifically, but we're still figuring out where we're going and what's what's really coming next. And, and we're hopefully we're talking to the people who are who are making that future happen right now in the present. What would be your message to those people whenever it comes to client listening? What what nugget of insight or what tool or what just just general rah-rah message would you send them um, to really help them bring that message back into their firms and uh, sort of wave the flag of what we've been talking about today? Well, I think from my perspective, it's it's if you don't do it or you don't do it effectively, get started. And, and really take the initiative to to organise uh, some kind of approach to capturing cl- to, to client information properly, 
and that, that can be running pilots to make things happen. It can be testing uh, and just trialing some of the solutions like Paul uh, has to, to actually pull things together and to, and to begin to recognize what's possible, yeah. because I think there's a huge gap in, in understanding what's possible. But get, getting, getting started, quite honestly, quite hard. For, for, the vast, for the vast majority of firms is, is the thing. And there is a hurdle to get over because pe people have to believe that, um, yeah, that their colleagues will take part. Uh, I would I would say find the champion. Yeah. So assuming the business does want to do something more, and there's definitely a champion in terms of somebody at the top of the business who believes this is a good idea because that obviously creates priorities. But what we found is firms that roll it out and expand, they don't try and roll it out across the whole business. They find a champion in a practice area, in a sector, in an office, somebody that's just got a dozen clients that really believes in the power of having always on insight that has you know this constant flow of of information and insight rather than it being a periodic thing and then fuel them give them the tools give them the opportunities and then make them the hero so we've had clients that then present back from this first firm at like the partner conference so all of a sudden they're being held up as the star in front of all their partners right. and all their peers saying this is where we need to go these are the ones leading the challenge and who doesn't love being held up amongst your peers and going this this is the guy I follow. We've all got to go here. With that's what they're doing. So there's usually someone like that in the firm. It's it's easy to get blinded by the the laggards and the people that don't want to change yeah. anything. So find the champions and then really fuel them and celebrate them and talk up. Even if they're only getting a small amount of feedback, make it sound like it's more volume and just get people excited about the the insights that can inform decision making rather than seeing it just as you know feedback yeah. and, uh, and actually i think i think that's very true it, it's it's fine it's finding quick wins as well uh -huh. so that actually producing some results and you can you can produce some very quick results in in actually saving business you know that uh, that could have gone elsewhere and i think there are plenty of opportunities mm. to to really uh, make change that impacts immediately yeah. and and help those people get started yeah absolutely i um i think uh from my mind it's um it's just the realization that uh, most of the time, if a, if a client is dissatisfied, um, they're not going to tell you, you know, they're just going to sort of leave you. And if mm. you stay in constant communication, like with your partner or any other great relationship, you know, at the end of the day, you'll, you'll know a little bit before that, but um, just, just look at the ants, you know, the ants are, the ants are, the ants are able to uh, get me to pay, you know, uh, $500 for the exterminator. And uh, yeah, they, they definitely won that day. Absolutely. Through collective intelligence. Well, gentlemen, <laughs> I think I'm going to let you go, Paul, Alan. Uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. You want to just tell us, you know, what's what's going on for the next quarter, next six months? Um, anything that we should be apprised of over here on the uh, on the podcast and the listeners? Um, going to be any place uh, doing anything interesting? We should we should look out for. Whoever whoever wants to go, Paul, Alan, <laughs> yeah. sounds like a lot's going on. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So one of those volleyball things where everyone stood back and think when the other one's going to play. Um, I think the yeah the interesting thing about we're we're attending sort of a few events later on, uh, running sort of updated version of research that Alan talked about. But what we're doing with our existing clients is building out more of those use case ideas. That sense of how do you get that closed loop going within BD, within bids and pursuits teams, with account management, within marketing, within client teams, 
within the the board and the board reporting and all the rest of it and so that's a really exciting thing that that we're building out but it's it's all client led as as you would like to think we would do given given the work we do we're kind of constantly responding to clients going what about this what about this how do we now build this together so it's it's exciting to see that evolution from sort of straight line feedback gathering to uh closing the loop and actually making it a circular process uh, and and very directly with nexel we're, we're actually working with you to build a client listening uh project right. management system within nexel so uh it'd be good to see how that develops yeah we're very excited so um i think we're gonna wrap it up here i had a lot of fun i don't know about you guys but uh, i think we uncovered some stuff yeah, and uh, it was it was a good conversation i really learned a lot you know i think at the end of the day for for even when you this I'm I'm talking directly to you listener you know even for us I would I I hope I can speak on behalf of Paul and Alan you know it's even for people who have drunk the Kool Aid and are trying their best there's always either more that you can do or you know more that you can think about but you know getting started is always the most difficult part but uh, but but the rewards tend to be very very large and we've seen that with our own client listening programs within Nexel and um, at the end of the day um, listening is listening is sort of sort of key become a listening company right and uh, and the benefits uh, tend to be yours but um well thank you so much gentlemen to, to both of you guys we'll have to have you guys on a little bit later in the in the year and uh thanks for the uh thanks for the insights thank you thanks enjoy it all thanks, right man. everybody thank you uh if you like this podcast please like subscribe all of that tell your friends um it lets us know it gets it lets us get feedback on what kind of stuff you like um so that we can do more of it and uh, we will be back with another podcast very soon cheers thanks everybody bye